Welcome to the Crossroad Off-Road Podcast, brought to you by Motors and More Jeeps in Brainerd, Minnesota, and by Zeus Off-Road in Burnsville, Minnesota. This is our 30th episode. I kept on forgetting to celebrate the first few, like the 25th or the 26th, I kept on saying, hey, this is how many we got, but today is episode 30. Hey gang, we did it. We got to top down doors off Jeep weather. Now we might not be able to do the same things we wanted to do before, but those things hopefully are right around the corner. But uh, with all the challenges you might have right now, maybe there's a, you know, you can't go to the usual places, the usual haunts you want to go to, but maybe there's some other things you can find. Last weekend, my wife and I went out for a nice long Jeep ride and we discovered a new coffee shop, like I talked about in the last episode, I believe. Uh, we also discovered some new trails we haven't been on, some uh, what I mean by trails is just routes to go sightseeing. Uh, we just kind of found some new places to go to. So I guess with the challenging times we're in, I challenge you to find something different to do, some place to go that's all new for you. And I have an idea where I want to take my wife out next and uh, kind of the top down doors off Jeep ride, uh, but I'm going to surprise her with it. So it should be fun. But that's the uh, biggest words of wisdom I think you can have is when you have a new challenge like this is we have going on right now just uh, take it as a take it as a challenge say so I'm gonna go find something fun and different to do so there you go that's my input for the week uh, nothing really broke on the Jeep yet because it's only Tuesday I'm already recording for next Saturday or Sunday already and uh, so nothing really happened but I just know that the rest of the week looks pretty dang nice so enjoy the weather have some fun and uh my next guest here is a friend friend of mine from high school from a long time ago. We were in a band together uh, back in the day. So we'll be talking all about that in a little bit. All right. Welcome back to the Crossroad Off-Road Podcast. My name is Mitch. And uh, today I want to talk about something that's a little different. I want to talk about things that aren't Jeeps. Okay. And uh, one of the things I've, I've been seeing lately is that kind of came up in different conversations, but Real Legal Four-Wheel Drive Association, somebody asked the page, is this a Jeep only page? Is it just a Jeep thing? And I'm reminded that not everybody drives a Jeep. A good lot of us do, but not everybody drives a Jeep. And a couple of weeks ago, I got a chance to meet up with a friend, uh, Ross, from high school. We were actually in a band together in high school. He was the drummer of this real hot band, and uh, I was the lead brass player. Yep, I'm talking about pet band. So we went to high school together, <laughs> and years later, we get to see each other again. And we had a concert one time, and I kind of stumbled into him and talked to him for a few minutes. It was kind of funny. I haven't seen him in 20 years. And then a couple years later, here we are again at an off-road event, and we got to talk a little bit. Uh, but before that, we kind of messaged back and forth because we actually joined the same Jeep club. I said, did you just join the same Jeep club? He goes, well, I don't have a Jeep, but I joined that club. So welcome, Ross, to the Crossroad Off-Road Podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is our third attempt at starting this. The first time there was a tornado warning at his house, so we had to get off. Second time we had some bad audio, so we had to jump off that system. Now we're back on Zoom and we're recording it this time. So this is actually our third time going through the, some of these things. Uh, but like I said, you know, there's a couple things I've seen recently that not everybody drives a Jeep and some people build up different things. And when I first talked to Ross about off-roading again, uh, after 20 years of not talking to him, uh, he actually said, you know, I don't drive a Jeep, but I drive something different. So tell us what you drive, drive Ross. So I drive a 2011 Nissan Xterra and, um, we actually bought the Xterra. It wasn't for overlanding or even off-roading for that matter. Uh, my wife needed a car and we were looking around and 
I saw this just burnt out salvage Nissan Xterra online. And I was like, gosh, like that looks really neat. But everybody's like, don't buy salvage, right? You're, you're just asking for trouble. And, um, but it was just, it kept popping up in my search. Every time I was looking for it, it was there. And I was like, gosh, I just really needed to kind of take a look. at. It. So we went to the dealership. The thing looked like it had been next to a nuclear bomb. All the paint had been burnt off of it. All the plastic, which is half the car, was melted. Uh, there were all the windows, which was a positive thing. And the interior smelled like just like a chimney. Like it was just all just smoke. And for for the few first few months of owning it, we actually drove it with all the windows down to air it out. And this is like March <laughs> in Minnesota. So weather's kind of iffy, you know, but uh, we, we managed. But we... We, we just knew that we wanted this Xterra and it had really low mileage. It was really inexpensive. And so we just kind of took a gamble and, and it kind of paid off for us. I didn't even know oh, at the, t oh, go ahead. That's amazing. I, I didn't know it was a salvage title. You look at it, it just, it looks great. You know, it looks great. So, but also if you're gonna take things off and put different fenders on or what have you, um, it's probably a good starting point then too. Well, yeah, like, and, you know, it wasn't actually for a couple of years until we actually, you know, I learned that overlanding was a thing. And, and you know, YouTube is the, the great hobby starter, I think, because you kind of go browsing through YouTube. And, and I remember how I actually learned about overlanding was a YouTube channel called Expedition Overland. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, but they do crazy, like, they've done the Pan American trail essentially all the way from um, Prudhoe Bay, Alaska down to the tip of South America. And so I watched that entire series. I binged it. And my <laughs> eyes were just like, it was like a kid in the candy store. Cause like, I just like, this is a thing. Like there's rooftop <laughs> tents, like people have refrigerators in their car. You know, like I, I was just <laughs> amazed at the first time ever coming across this. And then, you know, it was like maybe midway through this series, my brain really started working and I was like, I have an Xterra, yeah. <laughs> you know, but then as I'm thinking through this, I'm like, I have to convince my wife, right? So mm -hmm. I'm just like, how do I sell this? That's like always the, the hardest thing. It's like, how do I sell this to my wife? And <laughs> I was like, I came up and it was actually pretty easy because I, I came up, I was like, hey, so there's a thing called overlanding. I actually made her watch one of the episodes, I, be I believe, and, and I sat down and I was like, gosh, like, do you think that we could do this with the Xterra? Like, and, and she's like, well, what does that mean? And I'm like, you know, like deck it out. And she's like, well, as long as you take me camping. So I was like, done, right? Like, that's, that's, that's the easy part. So then I was like, I, I just started reeling, you know, like all these possibilities. But then I See, came I, across, I have, go ahead. I have, I have never met your wife, but she always sounds really cool. <laughs> she's, she's, you guys, you made it sound like her idea. She's like, yeah, Ross, you should probably totally build this thing up. <laughs> you should probably well, do it. <laughs> she is a big instigator in a lot of this stuff. Like I come up with the idea and I think, oh, she's never going to go for this. She's like, of course you should do it. Should have done it already. You know? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. Um, but yeah, so it, my wife, it was, well, she, when she watches me, she comes to the room and I'm watching a Jeep video. She's like, oh, another Jeep video. <laughs> is that all you're going to do tonight? I'm like, well, I don't like watching a regular TV. So I'm watching this this G video or if it's something I, I got like I always watch also watch 
uh, big farming videos, ironically. I grew up a farm kid, yeah. but I, I watch these farm videos with these huge tractors. I think they're fun. And they tease me because I'm watching classic tractor fever. And they come in the room, the boys and my wife, and they're watching some classic tractor from the 40s or something. And they're laughing <laughs> at me. I'm like, I don't care. It's what I want to watch. You know, whatever. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I watch my 560 videos. I go to the tractor ones and whatever the field, what they're doing. And then I go to bed. But <laughs> nice. <laughs> so my wife. My wife literally rolls her eyes and she goes, I, I don't understand why you have to watch these cheap videos. I mean, they're fun. It's what I want to watch. It is. It's like watching, you know, another Friends episode because they're currently right. watching like the same Friends episode, like the 17th time in a row. But, but you, your wife, kind of, you said, as long as you take me camping. And I'm like, that's amazing to me. So, <laughs> well, she's, she's a, she's a, a pretty big outdoor enthusiast, right? So she's like, you know, can we put kayaks on it? You got to take that into account, you know? And, and so I started like planning this all out in my mind of like, oh, I'm going to get this, put on the bumpers. I'm going to put a winch and we'll get a snorkel and we'll do all this cool stuff. We'll lift it. We'll get bigger tires, you know? And, and, she was a little bit concerned at first, I'll admit, because she just saw this and she's just like, that thing's going to look like a tank, you know, and all this. And I'm like, no, no, it'll look pretty cool. But now it looks pretty badass, to be honest. And she, <laughs> we all, we kind of fight over driving it. Like, who gets to drive it today? I'll take it, you know. And um, so it's been uh, now a member of our family, you know. Yeah. Steve, how long have you had it then? It's a 2011, but you've got it like a year old or how long have you had it? Gosh, um, I want to say that we've had it, I think we bought it maybe four years ago. Four years ago, okay. Yeah, and, and, and I didn't start building it. So all of this took place a little bit. I started my first build work on it a year ago, December. Oh, so you're pretty recently into this then. Yep. So very recently into this. But it's not my first foray into four by four wheeling. That was what I was just gonna ask you. What is your first? Because when I grew up, uh I know you grew up next to Dino and I could have mm -hmm. texted them so I didn't talk. <laughs> so I grew up riding A T V with Dean all the time. You know, that's all we yep. did in high school. You know, and I wanted a pickup growing up and my parents got me a car. And I couldn't really complain too much because it was a free car. Right. But I really wanted I really wanted a pickup, but that car did go off roading. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so, nice. but when did you? What What else did you off road before this? So I would say my first like true get the itch and scratch it moment was in ninety five ninety six. I bought a Jeep Wrangler. And I was oh, living really? in Nevada. Yep. So my first uh, four by four was a Jeep Wrangler, and it was a ninety. Gosh, it was like it was right. I, I'm not that familiar with like the years and what happened and the transitions with Jeeps. Okay, so bear with me YG. here. It was a wide. But, it, but <laughs> it didn't have like the the um you know like the roll bars, right? Like it was the first year that they had the roll bar that extended past the full back of it right not just the x down mm -hmm. so yeah so anyways that's what i had and, and in the nevada you can pretty much off-road anywhere right you're it's all blm land it's all desert and i was in the air force at the time and there was three guys that i lived with and we all had like i had a wrangler and my my roommate had a truck and then a couple other guys that i was in the air force with had trucks and we all go four-wheeling we would just, you know, like be driving down the road. You just hop right off into the desert and off you go. Mm -hmm. um, 
and so we took uh, spent all of our weekends pretty much just going out and getting lost you know getting into trouble and stuff like that and it was a pretty eye-opening experience once when uh it was me and my roommate and we were we were kind of going solo and so we were stationed at nellis but we were like let's see if we can't find like an off-road route to hoover dam okay which is basically kind of on the southern tip there of nevada right and so we were going off-roading and and maybe we weren't even like 15 miles in and we go over this berm and lo and behold in front of us is a troop carrier with 15 soldiers in it all pointing m16s at us and we just like stop right and they're like they're like yelling at us like get out of the vehicle right and we're like hands up and we we get out and and we're kind of like you know get on the ground you know do the routine and we get on the ground and and they come over and you know like they uh put our hands behind our back or on our knees and they you know tie us up right and they start gr grilling us they're like what are you doing out here what's your name we were in the air force so we you know gave them all our information Lo and behold, we found out that we were driving too close to a, a bomb depot area out in the desert. And because we didn't like, I mean, we could have avoided this whole situation if we just would have like called in and said, hey, we're going to be driving back here. So they, you know, Air Force camaraderie there. They're like, okay, we're going to let you go, but don't do it again. Right? Well, we did it again. <laughs> So, so this time, you know, like, oh, we just got to be further out, right? Because we even said, like, oh, if we're further out, well, is that safe? We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go further out. Well, we didn't realize that we kind of circled back, you know, because you're kind of like meandering. We didn't, this is before GPS days. We didn't have cell yeah. phones as, as, as available as they are today. And you're kind of like guessing by golly your way around here. <laughs> and sure enough, we get jacked up again. We come over and they're like, this time we're going to have to take you in. <laughs> and they had to call our commanding officer. They had to come and pick us up from jail that night. It was just a fiasco. And then it all got around the base and it was rather <laughs> embarrassing because we got jacked up twice in the same day. You know, like, so. I thought you were going to say you kind of you ran into Area 51 looking for the aliens or something. <laughs> I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Not oh. out there. No, no, no. <laughs> Did you find a better way to get there then? We never did. We, we stopped. We, we determined that, you know, there's just too much out there we don't know about that we just will take the road, <laughs> unfortunately. That reminds me of that, uh, which one of the movies with uh, Harrison Ford, the, um, where he goes to that bomb site. Oh, gosh. What's the two roles? I can't think of the role he was doing. Was um, that the Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones one, yeah. The yeah, one was the, the fourth one, right? Yeah. Yeah, the fourth one that most people don't like. But yeah, he's there's like a, all of a sudden there's a bomb site. But yeah, it's cool. You can put it <laughs> yeah. up. Listeners, you can go to YouTube and kind of watch that part. It's kind of hilarious. But really old Harrison Ford. Now was that was 20 years ago. He was really old. <laughs> but that's a good. That's what it reminded me of when you say I went to a, a bomb site. You know, and yeah, because he ends up there and gets into a refrigerator and saves himself. So. So you did have a, a Jeep Wrangler. It sounds mm -hmm. like you have a YJ because uh, the TJs didn't come out until 97. So it sounds like you had a, a YJ, which is the model right before that. And uh, you're probably like the seventh person I've had on this podcast who's had a YJ. It's like a 
it's like the common theme. Everybody's had a YJ at one point in their life. And, uh, and now they're probably going up in value. So you can't pick one up for cheap, but I'm guessing they were cheap yeah. at one time. So was your YJ uh stick shift with the six, uh, six cylinder then, or what was that? Do you remember? Yeah, it, was you a, it? it was an inline six. I know for sure. Um, it's, I didn't do anything other than I bought, like, I, I was like, if I recall, I think they're either 32 or 33 inch tires is the only thing I added on to. Cause I was like, I brought it in and I was like, I want the biggest tires that'll fit on here better, you know, without a lift. And that's what they put on. So, um, it was pretty kind of, it was in good shape, right? As a Nevada car. So there's no rust on it or anything, but it had been, <laughs> um, rained on. So the top was always off and, and rain showers are few that come through Nevada, but when they do, they come very fast and they are very heavy and then they're gone. So it had been rained out so many times to the point where like I had to literally pull, you know, the drain plugs out because the water was up to basically the bottom of the, the door well there. Right. So like the mm -hmm. tub was full and they just pulled the drain plug, <laughs> had to wait for it to drain out. So I took the carpet out at that point because it was just, it was, it was just starting to get kind of grimy in that. So, um, but all I had on it for the most part was like, I think it was a tonneau cover, right? It just covered the, the, the front side, but I did have a hard top and, and doors for it, but I rarely used it. Mm -hmm. But oh, that was, man. that, that was it though. I mean, I, I did nothing to it, but it was pretty, you know, as, as they were, they're pretty off-road capable right out of the box. So. Yeah, it's funny is it's, uh, if you looked at those vehicles now, they're they're bare bones. Back then, you're like, oh, I need a, I got a radio, that's cool. But now you're thinking, <laughs> <laughs> like this had nothing in it, you know, compared to any modern vehicle. Well, it's, it's awesome. one of those it's one of those quirky things, right? It's like those are the little details of a Jeep that really make a Jeep a Jeep. Is that you know, like every so once every once in a while, the electrical one, you just like tap the dash like three times in a certain spot, and everything pops back on. You know, it's like the quirkiness <laughs> to it. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that was my, you, my first off-roader. Yeah. Cause, uh, that's awesome. I, I remember you being in the air force now. I remember that vaguely remember that back in my days, Ross is a year older than me, but I remember you going in the air force and now that, uh, I know you haven't had a Jeep at one time, but you got into the Xterra. So you, now we're going to go back to the Xterra a little bit. So then you started building it up and now you, I got to see it the other day. It's pretty well built. Can I tell me some of the things that you put together for your Xterra that, for yeah. Adventure. So owning an Xterra, the first thing I'll say is that it's hard to find stuff. And when you do find stuff, like you don't have a lot in the way of options, right? I think ARB, I think they stopped making stuff now, but ARB was an option. Schrock works, you know, for, for, for bumpers and stuff like that. But it's really hard to find. And that was probably the biggest challenge for me was like figuring out and learning what to put into it. So um, I'll start talking about in like the order that I did the things. So the first thing that I ordered was a Gobi roof rack. So um, Gobi makes two options for the Jeep. It's like their stealth in the Ranger and I got the stealth um, roof rack. And obviously that took a really long time to arrive. I think it was like four or five months. Um, but, uh, that was the first thing I installed. And I also had ordered a bunch of lights at the time. So that was also my first foray into electrical. So, um, I put in like a, a 40 inch in the front, uh, on the top, and then I have lights all the way around 
um, two in the back and then two on each side of the roof rack. So that was like my first major. Um, uh, Are those lights for off-roading or are they for the camping piece? It's for, for both, right? If we're off-roading and it's night, it's great to have those lights to kind of see the side and stuff. But also if you're rolling into a campsite late at night, it's nice to have the lights to help you figure out how to set up, you know, where to set up and stuff. Um, so we kind of use them in, in that regard. Um, so, so from the camping perspective, it's, it's really helpful like that. We needed a roof rack that was going to support a, a rooftop tent. So that was like the big mm -hmm. thing. And Gobi was the only company that was actually making a roof rack that I found that was going to have the dynamic and static loads to support a rooftop tent on next era. Mm-hmm. Um, so you found one that worked good. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm really happy. Like the, if you're going to go with a roof rack and you want a quality one, I would recommend a Gobi because they, I mean, they make them for all different makes. I know that they make them for Jeeps, um, Forerunners, stuff like that. But um, if you're doing an Xterra, I recommend a Gobi. <laughs> well, good. So you got the roof. You didn't have the rooftop tent on, I think, when I saw you, did you? Nope. We took it off. Yeah. So um, from that, that's when I ordered the, uh, I ordered a suspension. So we got an old man emu two inch lift with heavy duty at a leaf springs. So I bought the, the heavy duty package of the, uh, old man emu lift. Um, and that was, you know, as I was talking to you a little bit earlier about that was through that all dogs off road guy, right. That I met, that was really cool and helped me and, and, and educated me on, on stuff like that. Cause I didn't know anything about suspension, what matters, what's important. And um, so I'm pretty happy with them for the most part, but uh, I've got a weird clunk that I still have yet to figure out or anybody has yet to figure out what's causing it. And here's a little break for our sponsors. So first off, I want to talk about Motors and More Jeeps in uh, Brainerd, Minnesota. And we're going to talk about not a Jeep. So what we're actually going to talk about is a pretty sweet F-150 uh, Super Crew, F uh, Ford, obviously, and uh, it has the 2.7. I listened to a few different podcasts out there, and they actually ranked the 2.7 their favorite overall motor, uh, basically because of the power it has, it's very surprising, and uh, also has the best gas mileage. So if you're looking for a new daily driver or tow rig, this one might be the deal for you. It's a 2018 Ford F-150 Super Crew. has about 50,000 miles on it. They're looking at about 28.5 for it. So if that's what you're looking for is a new uh, tow rig or, you know, daily driver, uh, Motors and More Jeeps in Brainerd, Minnesota has that for you. This is kind of the not a Jeep episode, you could say. So we thought, well, let's do not a Jeep as our sponsor, our featured vehicle. And if you have a Jeep or anything else, you want some work done, or if you want this F-150, you want to put a little lift on it, take it over to uh, Zeus Off-Road, and you have a chance, if you, have the, if you buy the F-150, you get a $500 credit to build it up, uh, courtesy of Mores and More Jeeps and Zeus Off-Road. And uh, if you have a vehicle already, you just want some work done, head on down to Zeus Off-Road in Burnsville, Minnesota, and they can help you uh, with a build plan and help you build it up. And just tell me you heard about it on the podcast. That'd be great. Probably a hat or free t-shirt in for you from uh, Zeus Off-Road if you do some work with them. So there's our featured vehicle for the week. And uh, now we get to go back to talking about a Nissan Xterra a little bit more. Yay! Um, from there, we went into the land of snorkels. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> so this is this is good. So my wife started questioning me at this point when I drilled a large <laughs> hole in my fender. Right? Okay. Like that's where they start to be like, I just I don't want to see it. You know, like because I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna put this in. It was, you know, like 300 bucks. I'll just like drill a hole here. And um fortunately I didn't have too many issues, but she definitely was questioning if we made the right decision at this point because Again, you're drilling into the metal. That's a little bit permanent. Yeah, there's really no turning back. But um, if you want to be an overlander, it's like you have to have a snorkel, right? If, if well, you need it or not, that's like the right so passage. I want to talk about snorkels a little bit here. Because like <laughs> the thing with a snorkel, right? I think most people think of them like, are you really driving through a river that deep? But that's not really yeah. the point of a snorkel, okay? Or dust. So it's an air intake, right? It's a, it, and, and the fact of how it's positioned, it's like now becomes a ramjet, right? So like, as you're driving, it actually forces the cooler, cleaner air that's higher up into the air filter versus where it's in the engine compartment where it's hot, dust is rattling up. So they're really beneficial when it comes to like doing overland because you're thinking you're going long distances, high rates of speed, and you are, you know, mostly on, on dirt roads, right? So all that stuff kicks up. Um, so that's kind of why we bought it is just to, to kind of ensure that the air quality getting in the engine was, was clean and it was, you know, going to ideally help a little bit with gas mileage because the thing sucks gas like uh, a baby, you know, <laughs> sucking on a bottle. Like it just, you know, watch it cool. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, that was that was a major turning point, especially for me, because again, this is my first time doing any of this stuff on a car. I'd never done anything like this before. So it was a lot of YouTube videos and, and you know, like crossing my fingers, like, I hope I do this right, because that's, that's a little <laughs> bit uh, uh, harder to overcome something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but once a snorkel was in, um, my I ordered a front and rear bumper from Shockworks. Um, the two that I found, like for Xterra's, was either ARB or Shockworks, and I really liked the design of Shockworks. And so those took forever to arrive. I think those were about six months before they mm -hmm. finally arrived, from me ordering into those arriving. Um, by, and those yes. have uh, some special features in them too, right? Because I think it wasn't your bumper was that holding some water. So, so the water is a little bit different, but I the rear bumper now I I ordered the rear bumper with a rear tire carrier on it. So an exterior an ex, exterra normally has the tire underneath, right? It, it lives under the chassis. Mm -hmm. So when I removed the the tire to put it on the back of the exterior, I had all this empty space, right? And so that's when I had this brilliant idea of like, gosh, it'd be really be nice to have like a lot of water on hand if we're off. Because up to this point, when we were going, we just had this five gallon inflatable thing and they take up a lot of space. And the Xterra, like the Jeep, doesn't have a lot of room, mm -hmm. you know? So you really have to be smart, especially if you're going for like, a week on like the space and when where it is and we were going to be camping in places that don't have water hookups right so we didn't know that there's going to be water there so i i had this idea like okay what if i fabricated a, uh, a way to have a water tank 
underneath there and then have a, a pump so then we have running water whenever we need it. So um, I bought a 15 gallon water tank and some 8020. Are you familiar with 8020? Nope, well not 15 or 50. Uh, 15, one five. 15, okay, one five, yep. got it. 8020 is like the adult version of an erector set, right? So you <laughs> okay. get you get these metal pieces, they're aluminum, and you can fasten them and, and you get fasteners and you can, so that's that's how I fabricated the frame to hold in the 15 gallon water tank. And then I bought some metal plates to use the skid plates underneath and then a metal plate on the top to act as like a, a base or a nice level support. And then I just attached it to uh, four zones inside the, up, up in the chassis there to the frame. And so it's pretty solid. And then I mounted a, uh, um, a, a water pump on the side of it. And so on one side of my, uh, on my left fender is the water fill. And on my right rear fender fascia is the uh, uh, hose. So yeah, I just flip on the pump in the back and the water comes spurting out and um, we've got 15 gallons of, of freshly warm running water. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty hot underneath there. So um, you're, not, you're not having cold water, but it's fresh water, so. Um, Do you use that as a shower or anything like that? You can, yep. Like, because that, I mean, that pump is actually the same pumps that they use inside of like RVs. So it has plenty of pressure to, um, you know, if you wanted to hook up a, a shower attachment, we mostly just use it for cooking or for cleaning or for drinking. So, mm -hmm. you know, we would just, you know, hold the bucket underneath the spigot beneath our, our Xterra and, and fill it up. And then we'd have water for whatever we needed water for. And, and uh, so that was that was a little bit of an engineering adventure because I hadn't heard of anybody doing that in Xterra, so I had to do a lot of figuring out how things were going to fit. That was a custom fab because I thought maybe that was uh, uh, something you bought that was built for Xterra, mm -hmm. but it sounds like you built it and yep. kind of came up with that. Well, that's awesome. So that's yeah. That, but then, what was on the bumper? Was there a fill on the bumper, or is that what you're yep. talking about? Yeah, that was okay. the fill. So that you saw that big silver disc there, that's the water fill. And then the other side, I, it probably didn't show you, but is like a spigot. So you just, it's like a hose attachment. So <laughs> that's all I need to do is, it's, and then I, I, inside, I just have a little switch that operates the pump and water starts coming out. And then I, oh, I, I, I attached three little lights to give me like a little bit of a fill gauge. So I know, you know, like, okay, am I half full or, stuff like that. I do have a little bit of a design fly in it at the moment that I need to fix where I think it's a little bit tilted because um, it, A, it doesn't fill all the way and then B, it, it, it doesn't empty all the way. So it's, I got to kind of figure some stuff out. And obviously it, it depends on, you know, if you're not on a level um, ground and um, you're trying to get water and it's almost empty, depending upon which side is level or is downhill, right? <laughs> Depends on whether or not you're getting water out of it. But um, for the most part, it works out pretty well. Well, that's cool. So you got the water taken care of. Water is important on those long trips. I think I, anytime I ever go, I just fill up a big three liter jug that I got. And uh, I had it that day, but you never saw it, but it wasn't that fancy. I'm not gonna show you a jug of water. Mm. <laughs> you showed me your sweet little setup. I thought it was basically a <laughs> store-bought, you know, like a ready-built thing. I didn't know you built it yourself. But I'll have to check out this 80-20 thing and see what that's all about. 
Uh, you had some pretty cool things on the inside too. You showed me some pretty cool setup you had going on in the back. And when you see an Overlander's peep, you know, they always have their, the fridge and everything in there and uh, yours look pretty good. So tell us about what you did back there. Yeah, so in the back, we decided to make a permanent galley, if you will, because we it's it's basically our kitchen when we travel. So um, I, my wife's dad and I um, built it together over, it was last Memorial weekend, <laughs> actually. Um, and we, you know, it was built out of wood. And what it is, it just says it's a locking drawer. And inside of it is compartmental. So like you've got a, a stove on one side. And then we've got room to store all of our food and stuff on the other. Um, and then there's two side components where one side I have a secondary battery. So that's my auxiliary battery. And then on the other side, I have an air compressor. So, um, so yeah, so that, and, and it's pretty tall. So this is, you kind of live and you learn moment, but when I was building it, I, I thought I had a little bit more space than I did like top to bottom, like from the top of the, what I built to the top of the, um, mm -hmm. roof of the Xterra, because again, I wanted to have a fridge that fit in at top there. And after we built it, I was like, mm -hmm. there isn't a fridge that fits top, you know? And so I ended up finding an ARB fridge that it was a little bit larger than what we were expecting, but it was, really long and it was short is on on top and so that would fit and we just had to kind of reconfigure and and, and try to to figure out a, a better way to do it but we did and so um yeah going back i think i would have maybe designed it a little bit differently to support um a fridge better but there's kind of the sacrifice right of of um you know, do I want the storage space, which is really nice and I'm really used to it, or do I want to have the fridge? And so I'm happy with it. It works out well. Um, it was a lot of really great uh, woodwork by Laura's dad, but um, it, it's it's pretty slick and, and it does the job. Um, so it's a yeah, little these, bit over-engineered. <laughs> <laughs> well, these vehicles are, are built to have this stuff done to them to this degree, I don't think. Unless you had a, a pickup truck, you know, but there's too big. You need to have a little narrower. Mm -hmm. Most trails can't handle that big vehicle. So you kind of like, yeah, you want, kind of want that, well, which Harry Potter was it? Which is Harry Potter 4, where they went to, oh, to that, that, uh, that the they night went, bus. that's what. The night bus, where it like shrinks down. Oh, and... <laughs> that one, but where they go to the, the one of four, where they go into the tents, and they're at that Quidditch cup oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they yeah. go in the tents, and they throw this tent up. It's like, well, how, how do you get like 19 people in that tiny tent? You go inside, <laughs> it's huge. That's usually, you want the outside to be tiny as you can, but the inside to be cavernous, and you just can't have both. It's mm -hmm. just so, so tough. And I remember we went cruising a little bit through that woods, and I had my, my TJ, and you had your vehicle. And we were, I mean, I was touching both tires to the side, to the, the trees on either side, you know, so the trails weren't wide. I mean, they were, they were uh, just a little bit bigger than a side-by-side -side type of trails we were in time. And so you kind of want a smaller vehicle to go through trails like that. But then when you go camping, yeah, I'd love to have this and this and this with me, you know, and you can't yep. bring it all. But you kind of have to jam it in there as best you can. So, yeah, I did a pretty good job of that. I think you also had, you had onboard air going on there too, didn't you? Yeah, and I'm still kind of torn on if I made the right decision there on what I'm using. Um, so I have the Viair, I think it's like the Viair 300P, which I, I'm happy with like um, 
this capability of, of pumping the tires, but like there's certain things of it, either A, I don't know how to use it properly, which is possible, or it just doesn't have this feature. And, and what I'm talking about specifically is that how it works is that I need to take it, plug it into the tire and then turn it on, right? So, and I guess what I thought in my mind when I was buying this was like, they work like a normal air compressor, which like it, 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 you turn it on and it'll just, if the compressor needs to run, it needs to run. Otherwise, you know, you can just plop it in there. Right. And, but it, that's not how it works. And, and so, <laughs> cause I think sometimes like they max out, you can set like a pressure. I don't know if that works on the ARB ones or not, but um, so yeah, I was expecting it to work a little bit differently. Like I could just like keep it on and then move from tire to tire, but I have to turn it off before going to every tire and plug it in and then turn it on and then I can turn it off again and remove it to check the pressure. And, you know, so I, I don't, I just, I'm not really that sold on it quite yet, but and this, you know. is, this is a big dilemma. I think for a lot of off-roaders is how do I handle the air pressure? So, I mean, you have the option, I actually watch this JK gear and get JK gear and gadgets on YouTube. He actually did a comparison. He had the cheap, Pittsburgh one, basically Harbor Freight guy, which mm -hmm. I have one. You know, I bought that one. I bought. I spent like a hundred, hundred bucks on it, I think. So it wasn't the cheapest one. Uh, then he had the ARB, and he had two different models of the ARB, and then he had the power tank system. Mm. He's and he's filling up forty pound, forty inch tires. He's filling up huge tires, and uh, so he kind of he he started saying, well, here's what this one does, and he tried to fill up a thirty five with the Pittsburgh one, and he fried it after one tire. Mm -hmm like it quit working. <laughs> he did a cool yep. off. He goes, yep. he goes, so he goes, I'm not going to try off any other tires because he had a 35, 37, 40. Then he timed, he was tying them all. So he was going through this whole process. It was kind of very well done because I was actually going to, my buddy Wade and I, we were going to race my ARB and the Pittsburgh kind of see what the difference was. And But then this guy beat us to it, which is cool. Then I didn't have to do it going through the process. But then he got to the ARB. ARBs did a good job. Like he's saying like, you know, a minute and a half, you can fill up a tire you know, from 15 to 30 pounds, you can get that, you know, up to that much air pressure in the tire. And it was pretty good. So I, there's the, I had the medium ARB and there's the big twin one, but they don't have a tank on them. It'll run when it needs to run. Mm. And uh, so it's just kind of cool. It'll run when it needs to run. It takes a minute and a half, two minutes. I just don't like sitting there and waiting, you know, sometimes my knees get sore, but I have a, a valve. So I hook it on there and it goes and runs when it needs to run. So that's, that's the ARB for you. But the, he, he got the power tanks out. And what power tanks is, you go to a, a shop, like a, a place that can fill up this tank. I don't, I don't know where it is, to be honest, because I'm probably never going to do this to this level. But he was able to fill up a 40-pound tire in about 20 seconds. I mean, he would just go, it would be full. I mean, just, you can see yeah. the tire just going straight up. And I'm like, well, that's cool. But he had this tank, and he was able to fill up and deflate. 16 tires or 20 tires like a ridiculous number from one tank that's worth yeah, about right. you know a little bit bigger than a two liter you know and uh I'm like well that is that's pretty slick you know but to get that all set up they have to refill it every time i i get sick of going somewhere and get it refilled so i like my arb it sits under the hood and it's going to be used for the lockers down the road and everything so it's, it's ready to go but uh yeah so that's the dilemma a lot of times is you know airing up airing down all that jazz mm -hmm. you need to do it to get your, your tire, the grip you need, but then you need, when you get back on the road, you need to have the tire pressure back up there for various reasons. But um, that was kind of the dilemma I had, and I jumped the bolt, you know, bit the bullet and bought the ARB because I needed it for the lockers that I'm putting in. 
but uh, I like it and it runs when it needs to run. So I'm happy with it. I, but I kind of wish it would just fill up a tank that you put in the frame. Yeah. You know what I mean, I kind of wish you just yeah. have, you know, then when it needs to fill that tank up, kind of like the compressor in my garage, when that thing gets down right. to whatever, 30 pounds, it fills it back up to 80. I kind of wish it would just do that. Yeah. yeah. But, but then you're, then you're dealing with, well, Tanks. How big is your tank going to be? <laughs> yeah. This big and this big and where are you going to stick it? You know? Right. So that's the dilemma. And I don't, I like my ARB. There's probably better ones out there. Uh, but I like that one for now for me. And I kind of wish, uh, kind of wish you just had tires that just, you know, deflated and inflated themselves, but it's not where we're at right now. <laughs> it's not, it's <laughs> not, not where unfortunately. It's <laughs> not where it's at, but um, yeah, so it's pretty cool. Uh, you have onboard air. So, so in, in the end, though, we have you have an Xterra, and the biggest problem that you said so far was just finding parts. But you did find a part. I'm thinking I'm gonna have that guy. I'm gonna try to get a hold of that guy uh, that you said. What was the name of that place again? Oh, uh, it was All Dogs Off Road Co-op. I think it's AllDogsOffRoad.com. To be honest, um, but yeah, so I'm gonna, yeah, he, I'm gonna he really helpful. Guy. Yeah, and so it sounds like he kind of has a way to source some odd parts for your vehicle. So. And so I'm going to see about uh, having him on kind of how he does this deal and uh, kind of how he runs this deal. Cause it sounds interesting to me. Just kind of want to learn more about it. And, and I want to trash a rule. I mean, I saw yours and I really <laughs> want to want trash bags. I've been meaning to get everybody, everybody needs a trash roof. So here's, here's the, the one thing that overlanders really talk about. It's where do you poo in the woods? Right. <laughs> So I'll tell you a little <laughs> bit about our trash setup here. Okay. Cause like we have, so our solution to dispersed camping poo is we have this little like tri stand like toilet seat. Right. So it's kind of like a little toilet, you know, it's very low to the ground. It's not very comfortable. And then we get these bio bags, but our trash is literally like our toilet storage facility. So like we, we store the toilet in there, we store all the bio bags in there. And then we also store, cause we also have like this little, it's like a shower tent. You've seen those before. Mm -hmm. yep. So it's just a little shower, you know, changing tent or whatever. We set that up and then that becomes our, our outhouse, if you will. And that all fits in that trash room. The trash room has got so much space in there. Like it's more than just like for garbage, right? That because we also have then our garbage in there. But um, yeah, our trasheroo is such a. I find it to be more. It's probably one of the best purchases I ever made because it was. It's just so useful to have. Like you never really think about having a bag on outside your car. And and we just found so many different things to do for it. It's convenient when we're out on a trail and we're just having like lunch on the side. You just got some place to store it in that's external you know, and, and, and it's also a great tool storage, you know, cause you can store tools and there's just a big bag that it, it's just a wonderful um, piece of equipment. I think some listeners who don't know what you're talking about with, why will you take your poop with you? What <laughs> 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 um, that's all about, but the, it's, it's pack it in, pack it out, mm -hmm. and leave, leave no trace. So if you that's think about it, you don't want to leave stuff out there because if everybody just went camping in the same spot within a couple of weeks, there'd just be poop all over the place around <laughs> the campsite. And no one wants to step in that. Exactly. Yeah. So the idea, and I, I, I kind of thought that about overlanding before, but um, now you've answered my questions. I thought that's how you <laughs> said it. But uh, 
that makes a lot of sense that that's why you would have a treasurer. That's why you have all, you got to think ahead on these things. And I listened to another podcast uh, called Snail Trail 4x4, and they talk about no, leaving no white flowers out in the field, which means don't leave your toilet paper out <laughs> yeah. there. So no white flowers. So it's kind of like, I kind of picked that up, listening to these guys, they do overlanding through the Rubicon and, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, what was the other one they always do? Oh, Four Dice, Four Dice. Uh, if you haven't heard of that one, check that one out. Okay. Uh, that makes that makes the Rubicon look easy by comparison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I say anything, you know, just watching the, they're literally going through rivers all the time. I'm talking, you know, pretty dang deep. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't have 35s, uh, you're pretty small. You, you're not going to make it, type of thing. Yeah. So, um, these guys talk about that. They love their Toyotas. They're Toyota guys. Uh, so. I listened to a whole podcast about these dudes and their Toyotas and how much they love Toyota. So I'm um, like, that's fine. And they talk about Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen, all the generations. Like, I don't know what they're talking about, but they're talking about the, 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 the SUV. It looked like I'm a, I can say, yeah, you had a YJ. You didn't even know yep, that. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's the code for, <laughs> for that. Yeah. You know, they're talking about the different generations. It was a great episode. If you guys don't know about the one where one of the guys gets his um, – overlanding rig stolen and they do a whole episode talking about how they tracked it down and it was through facebook one guy goes and he from high school he goes mm. he, he didn't talk to him for like 15 years he goes you are you the guy that's looking for the the toyota gen whatever gen three you know gen two yeah yeah where is it he goes oh yeah i got how you all doing he starts talking through facebook goes, do you find it he goes oh yeah it's his parking lot next to my apartment complex oh wow <laughs> It was unblocked, all the stuff stolen out of No, it wasn't unblocked. Oh. It had the wheels and axles were still there. Tires okay. and axles were there, which were ten grand. Wow. And then the rest of it but all of his radio stuff was stolen. Great yeah. episode. I I felt so bad for the guy. Losing he's very into the radios, you know, the hand radio stuff. Mm-hmm. Lost all that. But they didn't take the axles, which were, you know, basically five thousand dollars a piece. Because he had wow. tons on there with lockers and all that stuff. They didn't well, take sometimes- that. Sometimes people just don't don't know what they've got, right? They're like, oh, who wants an axle? But do you do you do comms? Do you have do you ham and and all that or no? I have a simple uh, Bofang radio okay. that you probably can't buy anymore, but uh, I got that. I mean, it's my buddy had a buddy Wade. He got it all geared up, so it's basically just like a rugged rugged radio. Sure. And uh, uh, I've made a video on YouTube. I don't know if anybody ever watched it, but you can see it on there where I talk about where I put it and everything. It's a simple setup. So, but, so back to your, back to your bill, because this, I'm glad you answered my questions that I never <laughs> wanted to ask about the toilet situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never wanted to ask that, but I kind of thought in the back of my head. So, uh, so yeah, if you want to get an overlanding, you got to plan for taking it all back out there with you. <laughs> yep. So, so God, tell us about some of the trails you've been on. What's some of your favorite trails? <sighs> Let's see. So, we took a long, like, we, okay, so for the first trail, I I want to say, like, we went on, gosh, you know what, I don't think we, like, the first, the first time we really took it off was we went to, um, we took it overlanding to Glacier. Okay. So we, yeah, it was like a, a week and a half and, and we took all these back roads and we dispersed camped in the Badlands and, and, and we camped by Devil's Tower and, um, 
And we just took a lot of different uh, routes. In fact, my wife is a big rock collector. <laughs> so she just like anytime there's like any rock. And so she was part of this trip planning was that she was looking for like, oh, well, there's this like r this quartz crystal place or whatever, you know, that's by this this mountain area or whatever. And and so as we were driving back from Glacier, we saw like I we saw a sign like, oh, we're in this like mountain range or whatever. And I forget the name of the mountain range, but we we're like, oh, let's go check it out. Because she's like, that road is literally a mile away from us right now that you need to take to go to this area. Lo and behold, it was like a three and a half excursion, you know, 7,000 feet up into the air on some back country, like washout roads. And it, it, it was truly um, uh, a, a frightening experience because you, you know like you get like really narrow and there's like one side of the drop off and you know there's just no place to roll if you if you go <laughs> so but um that was like I would say our first excursion but we did after that when we got back right before the first snow fell we did go up to Gandhi Dancer mm -hmm. and into Namaji and we had a really fun time doing that and that was just kind of like a, a day trip where like hey let's go check this out um and so we just explored that area and uh spent some time doing that obviously i spent a lot of time up at jacob's property mm -hmm. um in fact i would say my first time winter off-roading was just this like path like right before the pandemic i think it was january maybe but leslie just kind of put out like a general call like hey does anybody want to go up to this private property and I was like I'll go you know like I don't know how this exterior is going to handle the snow at all and so I went out there and it was two wranglers and an exterra so I'm the odd man out here right <laughs> but I will admit that the exterra and I mean Jacob and Leslie both were said like that's really impressive like I hung out with you know like I kept up with them the whole time um didn't get stuck and uh was able to kind of hold my own so that was kind of like but i felt really good about that i was like oh no one's like spending all their time trying to pull me out right because that's kind of it's kind of the big drag right if you go out and you've got the rig that that everybody's like pulling you out every 10 minutes or whatever you're trying to get you know <laughs> waiting for you because you're stuck and um so i've been out there quite a few times now i would say and um and i think too like what's nice about the exterior is that it is smaller it's not nearly as like small as like a jeep like a two-door jeep i would say it's about the size of like a four-door wrangler mm -hmm. yeah um, it seems about about that same but probably like a jk maybe maybe it's a little smaller jk i don't know i think this i guess jk they're smaller than i think they are too but uh yeah it fits well fits well yeah and and so so that's kind of where i've been here so my biggest struggle and so I'm going to go back to the past here when I had that Wrangler. So when I moved back to Minnesota, right, I brought that Wrangler with me and I was like, oh, I'm going to go like off-roading all the time. But in Minnesota, and this was, you know, 20 years ago, there wasn't much. Like, like in Nevada, you're so used to just BLM land all over, but I was never aware of any trails to go. And the things that we did go was usually on private property and not all that exciting. And that's when I ended up selling the Jeep is that it wasn't, 
it's not a in my mind not a great winter vehicle because like mine i again like i just had this little shell of a hard top right so thankfully it had a really great heater that kicked out a lot of heat <laughs> but um yeah and so i've been really kind of encouraged lately of just understanding like learning about all the different trails that there are in minnesota and uh, i'm really excited about the border to border trail mm -hmm. um that they're trying to to, to kind of get going there um we're taking a little excursion my wife and i in august we're going up through superior up into international falls and up into canada and back so if anybody is mm -hmm. wanting to take a a four-day excursion sometime in the beginning of august you know and um but but yeah so i'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that um we haven't been going out as much because like lately the the, the dispersed camping has been shut down right so there's no place to to camp uh until a week ago and then the trails have been closed due to you know thawns and such so we've kind of been waiting for for that to, to clear up and for things to get somewhat normal before we kind of head out again yeah i mean i think we're all kind of waiting for better days to come uh you know but What's funny is that uh, you like the Xterra so much, you one wasn't enough for you. You had another <laughs> one. Yeah. So my daughter, who got her license today, this morning, um, bought an Xterra back in January. So, you know, like she found it. I did not push her towards it. Um, but yeah, so she has, actually has a... So just like you're talking about the Toyos have like a Gen 1, 2, 3, 4, right? Yeah. Well, Xterra's have a Gen 1, Gen 2. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and then they stop making them, right? So, um, Gen, she's got a Gen 1, and it's really, um, I would say it's mostly uh, appearance is, is what's different, and it's really just, in some cases, slight appearance differences. But, but yeah, so she's got a 2005 um, that is um, a little bit problematic right now, but, you know, we're working through those those bugs, if you will. Hers was in a lot better shape than mine. Like she had, you know, it's good paint. Like I had to get a full paint job on mine because it was all burnt out and um, stuff. But I always joke, I was like, yep, the first step is to get a good roof rack on there so we can put a rooftop <laughs> tent up, you know? And <laughs> so, so anyways, it's, it's, um, it's a really, you know, it's a nice car for a 16 year old and it was, you know, reasonably priced and, you know, and there, I, so I, I'm in a household of, of all women. So, mm -hmm. um, it's me and four Queens. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of, um, fun times when we go camping, we all went to Glacier and lived, uh, and used in, in that Xterra for basically four days. They had a tent and we had a rooftop tent, but, um, we used that Xterra, you know, quite thoroughly during that trip. Yeah, I was going to ask you, does the whole family go? And it sounds like they do. So, Yeah, and there's some caveats there. So an extended trip like that, when we drove out to Glacier, there was only three of us in the car. It was me, my wife, and my oldest, Maya. And two of the girls then took a train. And, you know, we were actually out there with Laura's parents and her brother, and they were all taking a train out. So we were like, oh, we'll just – because there's absolutely no way – that all five of us would fit in that car with all the gear that we need to support five of us at the same time 
So we really needed to rely on like getting to the campsite, unpacking some stuff like a tent and stuff that is permanent set up at a campsite. And, and then we can actually all fit in the car. But it was kind of nice because we would have the cooler with us right at all times. So we'd always have, you know, like lunch and we'd cook out and, and stuff like that. But um, it, it's, it's not a large vehicle, which is why I'm kind of already eyeballing my next Overland rig. <laughs> Do you have an idea what that is? Yes, I would really love to get a Jeep Gladiator. And I think oh, it's okay. going... I think the Jeep Gladiator is the perfect overlanding vehicle. Okay. Because it gives you the best of both worlds. Whereas like, I don't, I don't really like the idea of a Jeep for overlanding because they're small, just like my exterior is small. So like, I really like, if it's just two of us, I think it's okay because I can put the back seat down. There's plenty of space at that point. But when there is, when you need to have that back space available for people, it becomes really problematic, which is where I, I like the idea of like a five foot long bed in the back of a Jeep. Yeah. Right. And so I've already got in my mind, like, Oh, I can do this. And the other beautiful, beautiful thing about Jeeps is like, you've got all this selection of stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's magazines, there's websites dedicated to it. The problem is they send you a magazine every month or every quarter. And then all of a sudden you look them through and like, Oh yeah. I do need new seat covers. Yeah, that's yeah. why I keep telling me. <laughs> so guess who got seat covers for his birthday last year? <laughs> you did. Uh, but I, nice. did, I, I was eyeballing these for a long time. So that's cool. That's cool. And I, I think that when I first saw the Gladiator, I thought, I think that's what the markets are going for. They even have a, a model called the Overland Edition. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's what they're really going for uh, with that one. And so I guess time will tell uh you know how much people like that how long it will stick around but i know i see enough of them on the road but they always seem again smaller than i thought they were i thought mm. they were gonna be more like, almost like a full-size truck i was when i first came out i drove west with my full-size truck and i'm going that thing is way too small but if uh, you want to go i'm not gonna take my truck through any trails <laughs> yeah know? because it's 20 feet long and Right. Eight feet wide. <laughs> I'm not gonna go through. I'm gonna through anything. Hey, but, you're uh, paving your own path at that point, right? You're just like yeah, no, no. everything over. <laughs> Follow me. But uh, yeah, I, I could see the Gladiator. Actually, I'm trying to talk my wife into getting one next for herself. I think like you, you fit well in a Gladiator, honey. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> trying to that's, that, that's the same conversation I'm having. You know, it's like. <laughs> hey you know this looks really nice and but i, I just because i've always i i love what i loved the most about the jeep when i had it was the the freedom of just like taking out the doors taking out the top just like feeling that is like really neat to me and then like you combine it with like a pickup bed and i'm just like sold you know like that's <laughs> that's pretty cool in my mind like that's what i want and um so yeah, we'll we'll see how that that shakes out. My middle daughter, who will be sixteen in a year, um, she's already eyeballing some pickups. You know, I'm try I'm eyeballing a Jeep for her, like a Wrangler, like a little like a little little two door Wrangler. You know, like oh, that yeah. looks pretty fun. And but gosh, they really want a lot for those. Oh, you know, they don't like, give them, they don't give them away. <laughs> uh, like I mean, even like the used ones. You know, I'm looking at like. 1986 you know something or other it's got 250,000 miles and I'm selling it for $7,500 I'm like holy buckets 
Yeah, they don't drop m- much lower. That. That's the well, thing. That's the amazing thing. They don't. They they do not for a car. Like that's an investment because like the things do not lose their value very quickly at all. Well, the guy who sold me mine, uh, I told you know I think I paid ninety five hundred for it, and he goes, I said, like, can I talk you down anymore? He goes, Mitch. You'll be able to sell us ten years from now for ninety five hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. He goes, it's not going down in price. You know, I'm like, really? So I go, I can't argue with you. So I think I mm-hmm. kind of agreed on some price. I forget what the final number was, but uh, it was a good deal to me. I like it, love it, and uh, but again, it's like one of those things that I don't plan on selling it either. <laughs> so right, yeah. I, I guess I guess we'll wait to see if I ever do get my money back on it because that might be in the ground when it's somebody plays. <laughs> I mean, they're gonna bury you in that jeep oh i like it i just i think it's so fun i had such a good time with it so but um and so today i just wanted to have a podcast and talk about you can build other things out so we kind of heard some of the challenges that you've had but also some of the unique things that your vehicle can do for you so and you guys really like your exteriors you got a pair of them now so uh, yep. that's, that's awesome so well ross we've got through everything we wanted to talk about today and we've talked for dang near an hour wow <laughs> so, <laughs> time flies you're talking about uh off-roading stuff so sure does I, sh- I, sh- I hope to see you all out at jacob's land whenever we get that up and running for the the main people uh for everybody i guess uh and then also next time i go off-roading i'll see if you want to come with because i try to go you know about once a month so i'll let you know sounds good go. but thanks for being on the podcast anytime thanks for having me all right. thank you yeah bye bye Hey guys, thanks again for listening and thanks to Ross for joining me today for the Crossword Off-Road Podcast. As, as always, want to thank our sponsors, uh, Zeus Off-Road in Burnsville, Minnesota, and also Motors and More Jeeps in Brainerd, Minnesota. Give those guys a chance to help you with your find your next ride or to work on your current ride. Thanks a lot.